Hello guys, how's it going? Welcome back. Okay. Let me get let me let me get to some stuff. Um so here's the deal. Um <laughs> this is going to be a different one. Um could be uh I don't know how else to say it. It's going to be uh um unlike any of the other podcasts we've had. Uh just for the la- not the lack, but the uh the amount of information that's in it is going to be a lot. Uh, so just just be prepared for that. Um, but before we get into all that, um, how y'all doing? Y'all doing good? Um, hope so. So I wanted to talk to y'all a little bit about this thing I saw. Um, let me pull it up real fast. Of course, I'm you know trying to pull stuff up and talk at the same time. So um, I'll get out of there. Okay, where was it? Okay, so I saw this thing the other day. The buyer of the world's largest whiskey bottle was revealed. <coughs> now, this is not like uh, so, um, just uh, one of those bottles. It's like a, you know, like a fake bottle. This is the actual bottle. So let me just read to you. Uh, this is, comes from Masters of Malt. Okay. Uh, the anonymous buyer, and you know, you guys know I can't read, so <laughs> just just bear with me. And uh, anyway, the anonymous buyer of the world's largest whiskey bottle, um, he, uh, hold on, I'm turning up my mic a little bit. I don't want y'all bitching at me that you can't hear it. Um, the world's largest whiskey bottle has been revealed. I can't say his name right, and I'm going to screw it up, so just understand that. Vet Nyung. Ding, ding, toi. I guess I'm gonna spell it. How about that? That that'll probably work better. V I E T. Okay. N G U Y E N. Right. D I N H T U A N. I don't know how to say it, and I'm sorry if I butchered it. I know I did. Um, he added the five foot eleven inch tall bottle known as the Intrepid to his already impressive whiskey and cognac collection, which is currently worth an estimated listen to this hundred and fifty three hundred and fifty eight point three million pounds, which I don't know what that you know translates over to in, in dollars. This bottle contained a staggering three hundred and eleven liters liters so three liters and a gallon so it's a uh, 30 gallons right anyway doesn't matter um of 32 year old mcgallon single malt scotch yeah <laughs> the project was conceived by daniel monk of cask world and ros roswin holding pictured actually there's a there was a picture with it mr vet above oh, let me get to the next page um who named the Intrepid in honor of the drive to achieve 11 of the world's most pioneered explorers like Sir um, Renolf Fiennes, Robin Knox Johnson. I don't know these. Anyway, some explorers. They're featured on the bottle's label. As a seasoned investor in rare spirits. Wouldn't that be a cool job? Hey, my job is just to buy really old whiskey you know what i mean that's, that's so stupid anyway um 
Mr. Vet spent three decades building his collection, which already includes the world's largest bottle of cognac, the world's oldest bottle of whiskey, believed to be almost 150 years, god dang it, every time I click on it, 150 years old, and the world's only complete Macallan Fine and Rare series, which is, you know, pretty expensive in, in, its, in itself. He says he was in to acquire the Intrepid for three main reasons. The fact is that the world's biggest bottle contains Macallan, and because I was inspired to have a record-breaking achievement with the 11 Explorers depicted on it. We don't believe he currently has any plans to try and snorkel, you know, they're trying to be funny, uh, snorkel in the 311 liters of whiskey, which is definitely not what we would do. No, we don't even know where you would get such an idea. I don't know what they're talking about, but this freaking bottle, like there's a picture right right below, um, and it's taller than the dude. <laughs> and it has like all, I guess all the, the uh, explorers on the side of the bottle. How do you even pick a bottle that up that, that's that big? 311 liters? That's a lot. That's a lot, dude. You know? Um, so that's really... <laughs> That, that just blows my blows my freaking mind. Really, it does. Um, because that's... Oh my God, I can't even tell you what you would do for one with that much whiskey. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, and he has other bottles that are just that big. Or large or old and rare. It's like, <clears throat> there's a turning point in your collection to where you're like, what am I doing now? I've got the oldest bottle of whiskey in existence that he knows of, right? 150 year old whatever whiskey do you drink it i mean eventually like you need to drink the whiskey right anyway i just thought that was really really fun and strange and kind of cool so i hope y'all hope y'all like that all right so we're gonna get into the topic um <clears throat> i'm drinking coffee this morning um if y'all don't know uh you because you don't because you're not in my house right you don't you don't know. Um, today is uh, October fourteenth, twenty twenty-three. I'm, I'm dating it so that um, in the future, people when people listen, they know kind of where we're at. <coughs> so today is the uh, what solar eclipse that everybody's bugging out about, and then in April, I think is the big one. Um, it's going to basically come right over the top of my house, which is going to be kind of cool. So around lunchtime, me and the kids will go out with our glasses on, of course. I'm not trying to burn my retinas, supposedly. Um, you know, we can talk about that on a different show. Um, we uh, So we're doing that. But I'm recording this in the morning before it's actually going to be um, uh, put out because I want you guys to have the most information that I have about this particular topic. Okay. Because this topic to me is, uh, once you, once you get into it, you'll, you'll know it's pretty, pretty damn important. Mm. Okay. So where do we start? Man, so much has happened. So much has happened since we last talked. We were talking about yeast the last time, right? And then we were talking to Kyle. You know, that's cool. Um, so let's let's go to the Kyle route. So 
the Bastards Ball was last weekend. The whatever the hell that was. I don't know, the seventh. Um, and uh, I was aimed to work at the uh, the tables or, or help in the vault or something like that. But that's one of your duties as a sommelier. You, uh, you go and you volunteer, help people when they do tours and stuff like that. You help with all of that. Cool. Um, <laughs> that, that, that didn't happen. Um, let's go back a little bit. Okay. Um, shit i guess i just need to come out and say it because it's going to be it's going to be a long a long show if we don't talk about it up front we're nine minutes in um a little over um so you guys remember oh months months ago um i was not feeling well feeling real sick feeling really down and i said man i don't know what's wrong with me i don't know what the hell is going on you know and I was really getting frustrated with it because I would take antibiotics. I would take steroids. I would take, you know, do all these holistic practices. You know, I'd hang on my toenails and, you know, I was, uh, my wife was spraying all this weird crap in my mouth, you know, stuff like that. So here's the issue. <laughs> I'm going to turn the music down just a little bit more. Not that I don't want music because we need a little, um, ice, icebreaker, <laughs> um, so come to find out, um, I, I don't know how I found it. I just found it one day. Um, I had an enlarged testicle and this is not a joke. I'm, this is not me playing around. This is not any of that. This is 100% legit. Um, I just want y'all to understand that. So, um, had an enlarged testicle. So I was like, okay, that's not that's not great. So let's, let's go, let's go to the doctor and look at that. So man, I don't even know how to, how to say it. It fast tracked so fast that like, it's kind of a blur. So I don't know when that was like, so, okay. The beginning of September, I had my birthday. Everything was cool. That was fine. And then like two weeks later, I ended up going to the doctor because my testicles enlarged. And he's like, oh, okay, well, we need to let you go see the urologist. Okay. So I go see the urologist. The urologist says, oh, we need to get that guy out right now. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, we need to get that guy out. No, he's just infected, right? He's just angry. No, no, he's a, he's a tumor. Hmm? He's a tumor. And I'm like... What, 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 what is it? Yeah, how do you like that? I got these little, a couple little, <laughs> little stupid things. Anyway, um, it's really hard to put those on my little, my little uh, mixer. I don't know. It's really hard to do. Anyway, I'm stupid. I don't know how to do stuff like that, but I was able to put two, I think. So anyway, long story short, I'm trying to make this uh, somewhat humorous because it's very, it's very not humorous. Um, so just understand that. So, um, so where were we? I go to the urologist and the urologist. So this is not, not whiskey related at all. It's only whiskey related because it's me. <laughs> uh, and it does, I wouldn't say ending anyway. We'll, we'll, we're getting there. Um, 
Oh God! I just, I just hate that I'm telling you guys this, but I want to. I want to tell you guys all of this because I've been a little off, and there might be some days I'm a little off um, in the future. So we're, we're, we're talking about it because this is real life. This is real life stuff that happens, um, and I think people need to know about it. Um, whiskey related, not really, but it's life related and life is whiskey related or whiskey is life related. So, um, and so if you're listening to this and you want to have a, have a whiskey, go ahead. (laughs) And if I do, uh, get a little emotional, it's totally cool. I don't know why I'm trying to right now. We haven't even gotten into the, (laughs) we don't need to get into the meat and taters of it. But, uh, anyway, okay. So you're all just, he's like, bro. Here's the deal. Um, we need to get that guy out. He's and uh, excuse me. There's going to be some explicit things and some things that aren't really um, for kids. I mean, not like nasty or anything, but like adult themed. So just um, understand that. So if your kids are around and they don't want to hear me talking about nuts and stuff, then <laughs> maybe maybe this isn't the episode for them. Um, I, I want kids to listen, and I, I enjoy. It. My son loves listening and stuff like that. So just. Um, this one gets, could get a little graphic. I'm not, I'm trying not to, but we're going to go there because I think everybody, like I said, I think everybody needs to know. (coughs) Okay. So that was whatever the next week. And then he goes, we need to do a surgery to remove the testicle and get it out of there. And I said, oh, okay. So we did blood work before. Um, it was a blood panel that kind of basically told us what our levels were. Um, there's a certain marker for, uh, I'm going to say this, and this is going to be going throughout the thing for cancer. Um, yeah, I know. That's that's when people are like, oh, sh- shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, he automatically knew. Um, that obviously if you're a doctor, you've seen things, you know, the markers and what to look at. And when your testicle is the size of a, oh, a little smaller than a hockey puck, right? Oh, that's, a, that's a, an alarming thing that happens. So, um, so we had scheduled the, um, uh, what do they call it? Orconectomy. It's called an orconectomy. I only know that because you think of the orca, the whale, the killer whale that kills everybody. Yeah, um, it's an orconectomy. So basically, they make an incision in your, um, oh, it's in your pubic area, right? Like up higher, like kind of like if you've ever seen somebody who has a C-section, right? C-section scars, like right in that pubic area. But this is more over it's to the right because that's where it was. Um so it was over in the right and so they made an incision in there so little background on me i've never had um any sort of um you know uh, surgeries or anything like that been pretty healthy i mean i've had lung issues uh, you know stuff like that but never really had anything like this um so i was a little freaked out but at the same time i wanted to get it out of there um and we still didn't know 100% if it was cancerous or not. We just knew that it was a large tumor. So I was like, okay, crap. So obviously that's when, and I'm going to talk a lot about this, and this is no offense to people who do not believe in certain aspects of religious effects, but this is what 
you know, what happened. Um, when, when you go through something, even just like a, a testicle removal as a man, um, it puts you in a different state. Um, you know, you get a lot closer to your maker. <laughs> Let's just say that. And, uh, uh, you start thinking a lot more and you start, um, praying or, you know, whatever, a lot more. And I've always been a very strong Christian person. Um, I feel I maybe not, uh, that's between me and him. That's not between you and I. Um, anyway. And, but so I just was spending a lot of time in that and like trying to go through that and work through it as I think, you know, like I'm not one of these chauvinistic males that is like oh my balls you know bleep, 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 you know that what that's what makes you a man that's not that's not how i am <clears throat> i am a man biologically you know um but i don't pro uh, promote it you know i don't like flaunt my masculinity i guess i don't know how to how to say it the right way um you know I'm, and so like even for me, it hit in a way to where it's like, okay, I have to deal with the fact that I'm losing a part of my manhood, I guess you could say, which is kind of weird to say it like that. But like, it still makes you, you're still a man, obviously. You still have those chromosomes that make you that person. And I know this is going to get into some some weeds there, and I'm not trying to offend anybody who uh, is having trouble with their sexuality or anything like that. That's not where, <laughs> that's not where I'm going. Um for me personally um so i was like okay this is fine this will be fine okay cool let's do it so we have the or connect me and they removed everything up into my stomach almost to where it ties on to the rest of my body there's a little piece left over non-cancerous it was just the tube for blood flow and stuff like that okay cool they removed that and it was about a two-hour surgery not a big deal had it done locally here at the hospital um under general general anesthesia which was which was fine uh woke up walked out of the room and you know did the thing not a big deal um okay so it hurt the first day right because it always hurts they had me on hydrocodone fives so like not even a huge dose of hydrocodone just something kind of anti-inflammatory i guess to keep kind of keep the swelling down and stuff so okay so that was uh september 28th is when that happened right so it's been a minute right it's been a minute um so we're working through that and i'm trying to see how how i feel and how i feel about the whole thing and life after that so we still at this point didn't know if it was cancerous or not or what what the whole thing was we just knew that it was removed and we were waiting on pathology which basically they take the testicle and they cut it apart and see the cancerous or not <clears throat> So that was a Thursday. The 28th was a Thursday. Um, so Friday, Saturday, we're okay. You know, it sucks. You know, recovery sucks. You can barely walk. It's it's hard to eat. You know, um, luckily we have great friends and family that brought food and, you know, helped us and stuff like that. And um, so I knew I wasn't going to work for approximately two weeks. Um, so I don't know if y'all remember, I had talked about us going to Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico 
for our kids have like what they call a fall break it's a basically a spring break but a you know a fall and so we were going to go to santa fe um, because it's really nice it's been over 100 degrees here and we wanted to have some cooler weather and we had already um you know we we're not rich at all um, so when we do these trips it's kind of like a treat for everybody and so we got a, a nice bnb you know, we were going to drive up there and, you know, have a, have a really, really nice time. We'll get into that. Um, and uh, so, you know, we had that to look forward. I had a week, week to recover, get my stamina back up to where I could walk around. And they said, you should be fine. You know, um, it's, it's a pretty basic procedure. You're going to have some bruising and stuff like that. All right, cool. So Friday, Saturday. They were okay. They sucked. I mean, obviously walking around and trying to, <laughs> they had me in some weird gauze and stuff like that. So like, it was hard to even just go to the bathroom. It was kind of hard to do. So anyway, that's TMI. I'm sorry. But, um, so Sunday, um, I noticed that my leg, my left leg. So I had the right or connect me, right? my left leg started hurting a little bit and I was like, man, like kind of like a Charlie horse, you know, when you get a Charlie horse and it's just like, man, like you've been working outside a lot and like you're a little starved for um, some nutrients or whatever. And it wasn't horrible. All right, cool. Well, Sunday night, it got so bad to where like I was almost in tears and I'm like, that's, that's not good. <laughs> right. So, you know, my wife's freaking out because she's like, you just had surgery what 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 is this maybe they hit a vein maybe that you know whatever you, you, you never know so we go to the er and it sucks you know we go to the er and the er is like oh bro you have a blood clot from your surgery and i'm like excuse me and they're like yeah you have a blood clot so they did a sonogram and they found a blood clot and they're like it's it's normal from surgery not a big deal um it's in your leg so what we're going to do is we're going to put you on Eliquis, which is a blood thinner. And I'm like, great. What does that mean? You know, because I'm trying to be as, and I'm not granola wokester, you know, I'm not that, but like, I'm trying to be very um, natural in all my approaches. Like I do not take any sort of pharmaceutical grade pills or anything. I try not to um, just because I feel like. And this is me talking. This is not medical advice. I am not a medical doctor. Okay. But I feel like the pharmaceuticals, they, <clears throat> they help you in a certain way, but then they hinder you in others. So take that for what it is. Um, so I was like, crap, I don't want to take those. But then again, my leg freaking hurts like bad. Can't hardly walk on it. Right. So I'm like, okay. So I take, you know, this is like, 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, it might have been midnight, who knows, and so we take the pills, and they send us home, we're like, okay, so Sunday night was fine, I think, and I'm not trying to be a druggy or whatever, but I think I took a pain pill, you know, took a hydro, and went to bed, okay, cool, so the next day, I uh, woke up, and uh, it was hurting, hurting pretty bad and I was like man that sucks man I can barely walk on it so I'm like okay so what do I what do I do so I just I'm just dealing with it I'm trying to walk it out like we have a little circle driveway in the front of our house it's a granite gravel 
So my wife's out there helping me. Luckily, she was there. She didn't have to work or anything, but like she's helping me. And we're walking around the circle. And I'm like, man, maybe it's feeling better. I don't know. So we're walking. I'm putting heat on it. I'm putting ice on it. I'm trying to get it to, you know, trying to get it to go away. Little did I know. (laughs) Uh, This story unfolds pretty fast. So just get ready. Um, Yeah, you thought that was the story. That's not the story. Um, Look at us. We're like 24 already. Yeah, yeah, tw- it's, it's it's a long road. This this isn't going to be super long podcast, but it'll be enough to where, um, you know, you guys can <coughs> kind of understand where I'm at. Then we'll have a toast at the end. How about that? Um, anyway, so that was Sunday, Monday night. Um, so Monday night, yeah, um, we, we had, it was not a great day. Monday was not a great day. I was in a lot of pain. Um, and I was like, crap, that sucks, man. I don't want this to be a couple weeks or whatever of this. Cause this sucks. Well, I could, we go to bed and my wife had some pillows propped like underneath my legs to kind of like elevate my leg. And I was like, okay, it'll be fine. I woke up in the morning. It was, this was, so this would have been the Tuesday morning. Um, I don't, I can't tell you what day, um, the second, second or third, anyway, Tuesday morning, um, early, like three o'clock in the morning. And, um, I couldn't breathe. I literally thought I was drowning in a pool of water and I started freaking out, freaking like, um, I can't even tell you how bad I was freaking out. And, like, I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. My arm was hurting severely. My left arm. My left lungs felt like they were full of water. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, that's how I was talking. Like, it was so scary. And I'm like, what the hell? And so my wife wakes up, obviously, because she hears me, like, freaking out. And I was going to get up to go to the restroom could not walk I, I mean I could but like it was so labored and I could not breathe and I could not <laughs> I was not normal let's say that and she said and and this is no offense to her I love you babe with all my heart and you saved me um she's like you're having a panic attack and you need to calm down like your chest is riling because you're freaking out about your leg and it's fine I said okay and I mean, I was like gasping for air. Like my breaths were so short. They were like, you know, like when you take a full deep breath and you're like, oh yeah, that feels good. My full deep breath was like one sixteenth that. It was like a, <coughs> you know, and I should have known. <coughs> Sorry. So I was like, okay, it's fine. It's totally fine. So after freaking out a little bit and her calming me down, I go back to bed, not for not for long. Then wake up the Tuesday, you know, the, to actually wake up, and I'm not good, <laughs> not good. Um, and about ten thirty, I'm like, I think I need to go see my my doctor. I think I need to see him. This is not normal. Like this isn't a panic attack. And if it is a panic attack, I need to be on some medication for it or something because this is freaking me the freak out. 
You know what I mean? See how I didn't say right there? So, I was like, okay. So they made an appointment and they said, oh, the earliest we can see you is three. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, I'll make it work. So I'm sitting in, oh, I got a new uh, recliner. Not new, new to me. New to me recliner. Thank you, Deb. Um, and the neighbors came and moved it over for me and it reclines. It's electric. It's really cool. It's really comfy. And I'm appreciative for that because with my leg being the way it was, it needs to be elevated and I can't just sit in my whiskey chair because that whiskey chair is hard as hell. I mean, it feels good like when you're normal, when you're you know not having pain all over and uh, it feels good, but it, it was, yeah, it was not the right one for me. So I was just sitting in my chair until then. And then I was like, I don't know, man, this is like bad. Like we need to go like, can, is there any way we can get there sooner? So my wife calls and they're like, yeah, come right now. All right, this is where we're getting into the weeds. The fast track, I gotta have a drink of coffee real fast, hold on. So, we go to the primary clinic or whatever, where the doctor's at. It's right around lunchtime, something like that. On Tuesday, the third, I think it was, second, third. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. Um, so we go, and, I'm, and I see the doctor, and I'm like, Doc, I'm bad. I'm bad. I need some medication or something for this. And he goes, um, okay, so here's what we need to do. You need to go to the hospital. And I said, what? Yes, you need to go to the hospital and get a CT scan. And I'm like, oh. Okay, why? You need to go to the hospital right now. Right. Right now. Get up. Go to the hospital. I am calling them right now. You need to go get a CT scan right now. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I walk. <laughs> I walk my ass to the car. I walk my ass from the car into the hospital, which luckily is like right down the road from the clinic. So it's not like it's on the other side of town so i do that and they're like we're gonna get you set up with an iv and we're gonna do a ct scan which i'm so against ct scans because the contrast that they put in them has a lot of iodine in it the iodine affects your kidneys anyway i'm not trying to be that person but at the same time like it's a lot of very toxic stuff they put in your body just saying um but at this point i was like oh okay that's what the doc wants to do right so the doc we do that i do the ct scan which was really weird i've never obviously never done a ct scan or anything so it's like a little tube um, that you're sitting on a table and this little tube goes over the top of your body, kind of like in, you know, you see all those, um, sci-fi movies where they're doing that stuff and they're doing like brainwave, you know, stuff. And so you're like, all right, this is, I mean, it's kind of cool, but at the same time, this sucks because I'm in a lot of pain. Right. So I'm like, okay. And I couldn't breathe. I still couldn't breathe. You know, I was like gasping for, for air and I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? And so they said okay go sit in the waiting room after the ct scan they put the dye or whatever in my in my blood and they did the scan and then they said okay go wait over here so i waited over there and by that time my father-in-law and mother-in-law were there <laughs> and i was like hey what are y'all doing here and they're like oh we're just hanging out you know 
They didn't want to tell me, right? You know, you kind of, you can kind of see where this is going, right? So <laughs> we, we do that. And then they're like, okay, the nurse comes up there and she's like, okay, I need y'all to come over here to a room. And I'm, oh, okay. We're going to talk about this. And she goes, do you, do you need a wheelchair? I said, no, why would I need a wheelchair? I mean, I can walk, not, not walk good, but I can walk. So I walk and then we're walking and I'm like, where are we walk? Why, why are we going to the ER? That's weird. What the hell are we doing? So we go to the ER and I get in the room. Next thing you know, there's chaos. There's about six people in there and they're like, hey, we need to get him on a heparin trip. And I'm like, what's heparin? And they're like, oh, heparin is a blood thinner. And I said, well, I'm already on blood thinners. And they said, no, this is a real blood thinner. This thing will thin your blood in four hours. Um, and we're like, oh, okay, well, that's that's cool. Do I have to stay for four hours? And they're like, oh, you, you, and then they walk out. I'm like, oh, whatever. So they're like hooking me up to all these cuffs and these machines and this thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is fun. And then they come take an x-ray. And I'm like, oh, what? A, I don't understand what's going on. My wife just kind of sitting there. Well, then my, I don't know what to call her, my Carla. <laughs> She, uh, she's a family friend, been a family friend forever. She's basically my, you know, my stepmom or whatever you want to call her. Um, love her to death. She's a great person. She, uh, she came in and she's a respiratory therapist at the hospital and she's like, okay, here's the deal. Um, you're, you need to have a treatment. And I said, okay, what's that? You know, cause I'm still like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they're like, okay, well, um, you have an issue with your with your lungs i said yeah i can't breathe at all and i'm like i'm barely talking at this point like it's not like i'm talking to you guys right now i can barely talk and uh, cracking jokes with people and being stupid you know trying to liven the air because i don't like hospitals obviously nobody does but like <sighs> so then all of a sudden i hear somebody come in and say um the, the helicopter will be here in 20 minutes. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, the helicopter. At this point, my wife had left. They She asked the nurse and said, they said, oh, you're going to San Antonio, which is the closest big city to me. You're going to San Antonio uh, to get observed over there. And we're like, oh, okay. Um, is it like... How long are we going to be there? And they said, we, we don't know. She goes, do, do I need to go get a bag? And they're like, yeah, yeah, go get a bag. And so my wife runs home real fast to get a bag. And uh, she comes back. And by then, like, the uh, air flight guys are there. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I don't understand. I still don't understand really what's going on because they're not really saying anything. Um, and so finally, the doctor, the doctor comes in, not the nurse. He's like, okay, we are going to air flight you to San Antonio um, because you need to be on treatment right now. And I said, what does that mean? They said, we can't serve you at this hospital. This is above our pay grade, basically. And I'm like, oh, okay, so is that like bad? He goes, it's not great. And I said, oh, okay. And so, of course, I'm like, I don't, I still don't really fully understand what that means, right? So I'm like, okay. So they put me on a gurney. They load me into the 
a helicopter and I get to take the helicopter ride 20 minutes. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't too much. Um, couldn't lift my head because I was strapped to a table. So it wasn't like the best ride. And my feet were in the uh, pilot's face. Kind of weird. <laughs> so this whole time I'm not freaking out because I'm like, just for observation. But I'm thinking in the back of my head. I'm. This is the logical part of me thinking. Uh, um, they don't do that just for normal people. Uh, air flight is not for, oh, you have a little cold. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's not for that. This is life-threatening. You know, this is life-threatening. And I'm like, I finally kind of get that once we land, I guess. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. You know, and I'm by myself. Of course, my wife and nobody's there. It's just the, the you know, the medical people from the, from the, uh, helicopter and so i'm like um am i gonna be all right and they said yeah yeah you will and i said i i don't really believe you and he goes good you shouldn't believe me i'm not a doctor <laughs> and i'm like great great that's that's freaking awesome <laughs> so um they're wheeling me through the hospital seventh floor whatever this it it's a big hospital right <coughs> so I end up in what I later find out. Well, let me back up. So I end up going into this hallway, this room, and it's a, I'm going to say a big room. It's a big room for a hotel, for a hospital room, right? They put me in this bed, and as soon as they drop me off in this bed, there is literally six people on me. And they're doing this, they're doing that, they're blah, 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 they're in injecting me with this, they're, you know, I don't even know what they're doing. I still don't have answers, right, at this point. Um, so I'm like, okay. So then all of a sudden my mother-in-law shows up, my other mother-in-law shows up and she's like, how are you? And I said, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out because I don't think this is normal procedure. And she goes, baby, it's not normal procedure. This is nothing normal about this. So come to find out, they didn't let me or my wife know, which in, in retrospect, I totally understand why. But what had happened was um, that Monday night uh, when I was in so much pain, I actually had what they call a pulmonary embolism, um, which is basically a huge blood clot in the bloodway to your lungs. So it's cutting off the circulation of blood to your lungs therefore making your lungs not work like they should and therefore making your heart overactive because think about think about trying to do something with a monkey on your back right it's hard to do it's hard to bend it's hard to stoop it's hard to walk sometimes and have the monkey gets heavier and heavier and evidently this is like i said not medical advice i'm not a doctor but from what they told me after cuz i asked what they told me after was your, you know, your blood, blood goes through your heart, you know, from one way to the other. Well, the part that feeds your lungs is on the lower, I'm, I'm a plumber, right? So I'm using pressure and stuff like that because that's how I look at things is on the lower pressure side, right? So how do I put it? So like it doesn't have to work as hard to get blood to the lungs because it's right there, right? So it just kind of goes and gives it blood but when it's but when it's clotted 
it's having, it's like putting your finger on the end of a garden hose. So that part of the heart was having to work a lot harder than it's normally used to. It's on the low pressure side, so it has a restriction in it, which is making it work harder and beat irregularly. And that's why I couldn't breathe and all of these things. And I'm like, oh, okay, what do I do? I don't do anything, obviously. There's nothing I can do. And so at this point, they had me in the hospital bed. Um, little did I know it was the um, respiratory ICU. Yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, it was. It, it's only after the fact when it becomes scary, right? So they come in there and they're like, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what's going to happen. You need to have an operation to remove these blood clots or you're not going to be able to make it. I said, what do you mean, make it? And they said, survive. And I'm like, what? Yeah, you will not survive. We need to do an emergency operation to remove these blood clots. There's two different ones that we do, both highly successful. We, we need to do this ASAP. And the guy comes in uh, with respiratory or pulmonary, whatever you want to call it. It's both. It's kind of weird. It's like on that fine line of both. And he's like, okay, we have this thing. We're doing a trial study. Um, if you'd like to do it, it's fine. We just have to ask some questions and do some follow-ups after. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't care. I just need it done, whatever needs to be done. He's like, okay, well, we have you scheduled for first thing in the morning. So it's all you have to do is survive the night. And he didn't say that, but that's basically what they were saying. If you can survive the night, we're going to do it in the morning. And I'm like, okay. So at this point, I'm in a gown, buck naked, laying in a bed um, with three IVs, um, one with fluids, one with the heparin drip. And uh, they, what they were really trying to do is check my blood pressure to make sure my blood pressure didn't spike or drop. They wanted it to be pretty normal. My O2, when I went in there, my O2 was like at 85. It's not good. No, it's not good. It's supposed to be upper 90s. I, I just couldn't breathe, obviously. <coughs> so, the next morning comes along. They actually let my wife stay in the ICU, which they don't do. It was a horrible night. Um, didn't get any sleep. You know how that goes. And, um, so the next morning somebody comes in and she's got a bunch of paperwork and she's like, this is the part that gets a little, um, off kilter for, for the story. But I, I feel like it's necessary because this is, uh, this is real life and this is how I feel. Now this is nothing against hospitals. This is nothing against, um, what these people are trying to do. This is just my feelings. Okay. So don't, don't take this to heart and don't think of me in a different way because of this. You will understand once I say my part. Okay. So they come in and they're like, um, we're here with the study and we just had some questions to ask you before we do the procedure. And I said, okay, let's, let's do it. And I could barely talk, you know, at this point. And, um, they're like, okay, blah, blah, blah. One of two procedures will be done. You'll be in a case study. Um, the, the only thing is we need you to sign permission 
um, so that basically uh, we we put the information into a computer, yeah, you know, a computer, and it picks which surgery you have. It picks for you. And I said, oh, oh, it, it picks. Yeah, it uses, you know, um, thinking like real life thinking um, and analytics and stuff like that. And it picks the right one for you. I said, so doctor doesn't have anything to do with it. And they're like, no, it's uh, all AI generated. And I said, I don't feel comfortable with that. And they're like, oh, really? Well, let me call the doctor. And I call the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, yeah, we talked about it yesterday on, over the phone with her. And I'm like, I really don't feel comfortable with that. And they're like, okay, well, let me get the doctor over here. Well, the doctor comes back and he's like, he's like, here, here's the deal. Um, we talked about this yesterday and you're, you're, you're going to be fine. We're going to do it. We just have to do this thing. And, um, my wife at this point was talking for me cause I couldn't talk. And she goes, we really don't find this to be the best. We want somebody who's human you know, that has a soul and that has compassion and understanding for each person to step in and say, this is the type of operation or, or procedure that he needs to have for his particular case, right? At this point, they've done the CT scan, they've done sonogram, they've done all of these things. And the guy got freaking rude and angry with us because we didn't feel comfortable with it. And she's like, we just don't feel comfortable with computer analytics not that computers aren't great but i don't want that and and this is not me trying to be the hard ass or anything like that i was done with the guy and i uh i got really upset in in the bed like and i pulled i was on oxygen and all kinds of stuff i pulled the oxygen off and i said i will not have a computer decide by fate yeah sorry and I was like I can't I can't do that I need somebody real to do this you know not a computer not something that you know I've seen way too many scary movies where the computers take over next thing you know I'm not trying to be a Terminator or something you know anyway so he got pissed off and left and I was like, so what does that mean? <laughs> then the nurse comes back in and they said, oh, just wanted to let you know they moved your appointment to 4 p.m. And I was like, what? At this point, I was exhausted. I wasn't giving up. Obviously, I wasn't giving up, but I was exhausted. And I was like, what the hell? They did that on purpose just because I didn't do that stupid thing. And they're like... And so my wife was livid. Obviously, she was angry. She's like, this man is dying right here. He is dying. And you guys, just because we don't do a freaking case study. And then all of a sudden, these people start coming in. And um, the the nurse goes, let me go check. And the nurse was, the nurses were amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them props. The nurses over there, they were amazing. And... Uh, she, she did her thing, and then next thing you know, so it's like 9, 9 in the morning, something like that. The next thing you know, they're prepping me. And I'm like, what's going on? I thought it was at 4. And they said, no, no, you're going back. So I ended up going back at like 
So it was all a fear tactic. It was all just to get me upset. It was all just to piss me off. And then the doctor who came in, he's like, this is what we're going to do. I need to do a, what they call an A-line, which is kind of like a pick line, but it's an A-line in your wrist. I need to do one of those. And then we will get you back into surgery. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'd already been poked and prodded so much at this point. I was kind of like, whatever, you know, let's just go. So he did the A-line, which sucked. It sucked bad. It's in like the corner of your wrist and you can't hardly move your wrist anyway. So they did the A-line. They wheeled me out. And uh, of course, they don't tell you the survival rate or anything of any of these <laughs> operations or procedures. So what they did is called a thrombectomy. So a thrombectomy means a catheter, not a catheter like you would use to wee out of. This is a catheter as big as your thumb. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the width of your thumb. That's how big the catheter was. It was approximately half, half five eighths of an inch in diameter. And they put it right in the corner of your groin uh, where your leg meets your groin, right? Well, guess where they put it? On the right side. Right next to my incision. Like, almost on top of my incision from my orchinectomy. Which I'm like, really? Really? That place is already really angry. You want to go messing around there again? They did. And so, basically, they just stabbed a... Like, like stabbing a straw through a... Through a, you know, a plastic soda top. That's what they did. And they went in there... And this is, this is the dumb part of me, but they went in there with a little shop vac and they shop vacked all those blood clots out. <laughs> Not all of them, obviously, as much as they could. Um, the one thing that kind of scared me with the whole thing was they put me on fentanyl during the, during the procedure. They put me on fentanyl, which I was awake throughout the whole procedure. Very strange, very weird. Fentanyl is a very strange drug. Um, obviously, this is lab-grade fentanyl. It's not stuff that people have been, you know, doing in their bathtub or whatever. But this, um, it was so strange. It was like you're so drunk, but like totally lucid at the same time. Um, I didn't care what they were doing, but like you could see a screen. And it was like you could see it was your lungs and it looked like little like phalanges going in there and going and I can feel it like in my chest obviously weirdest shit you've ever felt in your life and then you're like am I feeling that like cause you're high right so I'm like am I feeling that is that real what is going on well luckily it was only a small dose of fentanyl so you know I don't know if I need to put that on paperwork now uh, anyway but so got that done went back to the room they put like a plug in the opening of the hole the puncture hole they put a plug in it i went back to the room still in icu and um i just inst almost instantly could breathe better you know almost instantly and then within like an hour i was not deep breathing but i was breathing pretty deep and my 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 uh blood pressure went normal um my o2 went to like 92 93 
which was great. It was at 80 something, so that's great. Um, and then it eventually just got better. That first night in the ICU, well, it wasn't hard, but like it was like you're still kind of drugged from everything, and it was a lot of pain, and it was really weird. Um, I was by myself too, so I spent four days in the ICU um, in total, um, which I then found out was the respiratory ICU. So all those people had the same same stuff going on. Um, obviously, some were a lot older, some were, you know, whatever. But so then the next day, my wife, she was a trooper, man. She was there the whole time. She basically told my father-in-law, you, 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 you own my kids now until we get it back, which is kind of funny. So the kids came up there, but like the, you're not allowed to have people in there and they don't have waiting rooms at the hospital anymore. I think that was a COVID protocol. They don't have waiting rooms at the hospital. So they were literally just sitting around in the hallways of places, you know, just waiting on a phone call, which, you know, like you're hoping it's a good phone call not a bad phone call so i say all that to say um so then then we went through all that and started recovery um i was still on heparin for a while um because they said we can't do anything with your leg right now your leg is a deep vein thrombosis and it will heal or it will, the clot will go away with the, with the, the blood thinners. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're sitting there and I'm like watching my breathing, watching my heart rate, making sure that everything's good. They had me on morphine for pain. And I, this, I think the second day I said, I don't want morphine no more. And they're like, why? And I said, I need to get out of here. I need to go see my babies at my house. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, okay. But if you get into pain, and I said, if I get in pain, believe me, I'll let you know. I said, I just want some Tylenol. Can I just have Tylenol? I said, yeah, you can have Tylenol. I said, just some Tylenol to knock the edge off the pain. And they're like, okay. So they uh, they gave me some Tylenol. And uh, so then I'm sitting in the, in the room and uh, trying to get better, trying to, you know, trying to heal up to where I can get up and walk again because I've been sitting there for a minute well then it gets the, the, the day before we left it got a little dark um, and this is where it gets a little spiritual so if you don't if you don't want to hear this part that's fine you can fast forward um, obviously when you go through something like this you're um, you're you're closer to God or your maker or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to say God because that's what I believe. And so I knew it was by the grace of God that I was even there, you know. So I later learned that there was a 23, 23% survival rate from from uh, what, what had happened to me and the severity of what had happened to me. Um, they had pictures of the blood clots. And it was totally, um, totally congested, totally congested. There's no, uh, there was no flow of blood, um, anywhere. So anyway, miracle in itself. Um, that's where I praise the medical enhancements that we've had. That's where I praise it. You know, it's the whole fact that they want to use AI generated everything to 
control my life where I have a little bit of an issue or a lot of bit of an issue. Um, and that's just the me. That's just me. If that's what you want to do and you want to be a part of that, that's, that's up to you. But for me, that was not what I wanted. Okay. So, you know what? I'm almost at an hour. I might stop it and, uh, and let it go again because I don't want to run over and get into this, this story. So you won't even know. It doesn't matter. So when they were in there doing that, <laughs> thrown back to me, it was kind of like this. That's my other little sound. <laughs> I don't know. It's stupid. It takes like two seconds, two or three seconds for it to come back. Um, anyway, so the, the second to the last day when I was there, um, I was sitting in there and, um, you know, like I said, we're, we're spiritual people and we're getting more and more spiritual um, in just life. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to trust in God more and not trust in ourselves as much and stuff like that. So my wife was, was playing uh, hymns, old hymns and stuff like that. And, uh, cause I couldn't, I still couldn't really move and I could breathe a lot better, but I was still on a lot of like lethargia, lethargia, is that a word? Anyway, I was on a lot of that. And so, um, all of a sudden it just got super dark, not dark, like in cloud wise, like dark as in like the mood got super dark. And then all of a sudden I look out the window of the ICU, not the window outside, but the window into the, into the room. And they had lowered all the lights and I'm like, what's that? And so my wife gets up and goes and looks and evidently somebody was pulled off of a respirator or something like that. You know, the breathing machine. Um, and was doing their last breaths. Yeah. Like, right, right next to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, not 45 minutes later, somebody else right next to me passed away as well. So, I was like, holy shit. Oh, my God. Like, I am in, you know, I am right next to death's door being in this place. And so, it put, it put me in a bad place because I was like, oh crap, um, I could be dying. I could be this. I could, this could be happening, blah, 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 Well, and since the hospital or that floor, or that place was having to deal with two of those at the same time, um, the nurse, my nurse was not really in the room. I was stable. Everything was fine. Um, it was just it was a lot and it was dark and it was heavy and I was like I do not want to be in this place this place is not for me right that I can feel the not evil it's not evil I can feel the heaviness of this place and it is hurting me right it is literally changing the way I think right now I started getting super negative I was like I don't know if this is gonna work not going to be the same person. I'm not going to be able to do the things. And so it, it was bad. It was bad. And then it was like 10 o'clock at night and my wife had to leave because she couldn't stay. And I had to deal with that for the rest of the night. Um, 
on no medication, of course, uh, because I'm a dummy and took myself off the medication. Not that I say you should use medication to numb yourself. That's not what I'm saying, but it sure as hell would have helped. <laughs> so I uh, dealt with that, and that was scary and stupid and um, not what I wanted. But that next morning, I had a nurse who was very lively. She was very great. She was like Russian or Ukrainian or something like that. And she was just her talking was making me, you know, kind of giggle because she's like, oh, I need to get you up and we'd go off here. You know, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to do accents to make fun of people. I'm doing accents to be funny. And uh, it was it was really it was really cool. Um, she was, she was a great asset. And, um, so then I said, when am I getting out of here? When am I going to like, not the ICU room? And they said, well, you don't, we don't have a room available. Um, you're supposed to be in one, but we're, we don't have a room available. I'm like, okay, cool. So that was five o'clock in the morning. Um, my wife got there at like seven 30 and by seven 30, they had already found a room. And they were moving me out of ICU. And I was like, yes, let's do it. And she goes, here's the here's the catch. Here's the catch, brother. Um, it's a dual share room. So you're, um, you're going to be in there with... Yeah, yeah you're going to have somebody else in the room. Which privacy goes out the door, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what? I need to get out of here because this is not a good place for me. This place is, it, it was healing at first and now it's not. Now this is not healing me. Um, um, so we need to get out of here. So luckily within an hour or so, uh, they were moving me. And I moved into uh, the lower wing. Um, non-ICU, but still heavy watch, which was cool. They put some socks on me, um, that I was a fall risk, obviously, uh, because I hadn't really walked in four days, uh, didn't really use the restroom, didn't really drink any water. I was pretty much, um, uh, doing the survival mode. Um, so they put me in the room and I said, oh no, 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 this is not, this is not what I want. It was, um, sad. It was very sad, and I'm not trying to say anything about the uh, medical system or the hospital, but it looked to me more like a nursing home, and I was like, no, no, we're not doing this. We, I'm getting out of here today, and my wife goes, I would love that, and I said, it's happening. I said, I don't know how, but it's happening, so there was a chair right next to the little bed, and I said, I'm not even getting in the bed sitting in the chair she said if you can do it i said no it's not if i'm gonna do it then this inspirational music comes in the back right not trying to be inspirational not trying to be a hard ass either you know like i'm not like oh, i'm not doing that no <laughs> i had had enough it had healed me enough and now i needed to go home home is the best healing thing you can do um, obviously I don't want to go home too early because too early means there could be potential issues, uh, that go along with that. So, oh, one other thing that scared, that I was so scared for. Um, remember when I said they did the thrombectomy? Yeah, I know it's all these big words, the procedure at the hospital. Um, they had put a plug in my puncture wound. It's not even an incision, it's more of a puncture wound. Uh, they had put a plug in it because obviously it's in a main vein artery. Um, 
and they needed to cap it off basically so he needed to pull that out so early that morning um he came in and pulled it out and that was the scariest thing in the world because i thought when he pulled that out you know it's gonna be nothing but blood just <laughs> shooting out luckily it wasn't and so um so yeah anyway so we get moved down everything's everything's good and the doctor who did the procedure came in he goes man you look a lot better everything looks good you don't have any pain you don't have it other than my leg and my incision i'm i'm pretty good and he said okay well the occupational therapist and the physical therapist are going to come in and they're going to talk to you okay cool they're like i need you to walk and i said all right you got it so i sucked it up dude i sucked it up and i was like i'm getting out of here today and i walked un unavailed i just freaking walked it hurt i'm not gonna lie it hurt um but i did it and they were like oh oh you're doing really good yeah no you don't you don't need me i'm like okay cool well then the doc comes back and he's like i know you want to go home i'm like absolutely he goes i'm gonna put transfer for you to go home and i was like praise the lord praise the lord I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta see my babies. You know that that sort of thing going through your head. Um, so I was home by uh, six o'clock uh, that Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Um, miracle, probably, more than likely. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, it was a crazy ride. It was a crazy ride, bro. So that's why I didn't go to the bastards ball. <laughs> And then, so this week um, would have been the week that we went to Santa Fe. Well, guess what? Had I only had the testicle removal, I would have been healed up enough to go to Santa Fe. It would have kind of sucked in the car, you know, and walking around really kind of would have kind of sucked too, but I would have been okay. But since this happened... Obviously, that wasn't the case. The bad thing is, like, the B&B wouldn't refund our money. Long story. It's it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter, right? I'm alive. I'm alive. So, it doesn't matter. So, we got to hang out at the house all week. Uh, the kids were home because they didn't have school. So, it was fun just hanging out. Now, there was a couple days where I was in some pain and, like, wasn't really feeling it. And that's cool. You know, it happens. You get those days that are bad. But yesterday, which was Friday, the 13th. Nope, wrong one. Anyway, um, we went to this little Italian ice place in town. I was like, baby, I gotta, get, I gotta get out of the house. I've been sitting at the house for a week, by myself, not by myself, but you know, we've been sitting at the house for a week. I gotta get out. And uh, today, actually, um, later on tonight, I'm going to a party for uh, a builder that I work for, a good friend um, that I work for, and I'm actually gonna be pouring some whiskey for people. So yeah, no, it's gonna it's gonna be super fun. Uh, it's gonna be like kind of get me get my mind off of all of the stuff that has happened. So let me stop right there. In I forgot to even say this. So in the in the hospital, the doctor who was gonna do the procedure um, kept asking, "What is the results from pathology?" 
right? We hadn't even talked about that. That's the whole thing. Like everything got put on hold. And so he's like, what's the results from the pathology? And, and we're like, we, we never got them. We were supposed to get them Wednesday, but we ended up showing up here on Tuesday. So we never went to the appointment. And he goes, oh, okay. I said, I'm sure they have them. I just don't, I don't personally know and I don't have them. So here's the, here's the good news, bad news. Good news is, okay, bad news, bad news first. Bad news is it was cancerous. The testicle was cancerous, which that sucks. Um, we got it out. Everything's good there. Um, the other thing was it, it that where when that goes, it travels to the lymph node right next to it. Not next to it, but like in the in your chest cavity, your lower abdomen, in the back behind, like your guts. Uh, there's lymph nodes, and those there's like four, three or four lymph nodes that are enlarged. Um, they don't know the staging of it you know they have a stage like your stage four cancer your stage three they don't know that because they have to have the post-op blood work which i have i still to this day haven't done um hopefully that'll be early next week um but it's uh so they're like yeah you still there's still some stuff in there but it's nowhere near what it what it was and so as of right now, if this if the staging stays, which we know it won't, because the testicle was angry and infected with cancer, so that made the levels of the blood work go super high, right? It was stage three. Now I don't know personally what that means. Obviously, it's higher than one and two, so um, you know, take that for what it is. Um, I still, obviously, if you guys are are. Uh, prayers or, or, uh, uh, you know, of any, of any kind, I, you know, they're obviously still needed. Uh, we still have a little bit of a road, a road to go down, but at the same time, um, I feel like most of it is behind us. Um, I know that chemo or radiation are not great. Uh, they're not, they're not good for your body and they can also break, break you down a little bit, but I'm a very strong man. Um, obviously walking through the hospital with a pulmonary embolism saying, I don't want your damn wheelchair. That's, that says a lot. Um, and then me saying, I don't want to be on morphine and I want to go home to my babies and stuff like that. That, that basically is saying that like strong will, uh, can get you through a lot of, a lot of things. Um, and this is not a call to action for anybody to be strong willed, like, listen to your body and, and listen to what is telling you and do the, do the things and do your due diligence with it. But anyway, so we, I don't know why it keeps the, the music keeps like doing that, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, we're fixing to get off. Uh, we're going to talk about whiskey for a minute, um, here in a second. So I'm home healing now, Saturday, um, Saturday morning, right before I'm fixing to release this in like freaking hour. Anyway, but, um, but I'm feeling better. Like my lungs, I feel great with, um, I can still barely walk. I mean, I can walk, but like I get really winded. My leg starts hurting. I'm surprised I've been able to sit in this chair for as long as I have. Um, and I'm just trying to do a lot of healing. The issue is like work. Like, obviously, me being a man, and this is not being sexist or anything, I pride myself in my work and, like, how I work. And, the, the you know, I'm a go-getter. I'm one of those guys that busts his ass all day 
and um, I don't know how that looks now. You know, it's like it's changed a lot. Um, I've talked to my buddy who's been doing my little service calls and stuff for me while I'm out, you know, about possibly joining forces with him or or him buying me out and me working for him or I, I don't know what that I don't know if I'm ever going to be a hundred I mean I want to be and this is I'm going to do everything in my power to do the thing but being a hundred percent me before surgery um, I don't know if that's a possibility even right because I'm on blood thinners now if I bonk my head or if I cut myself you can bleed out bro like it's a big deal like i'm not gonna be a little baby and like walk around in freaking you know bubble wrap or something like that but at the same time i have to be a lot more careful than i was and um if you ever if you've ever known a plumber they're freaking busted broken bruised all the time anyway so like yeah i mean <laughs> you know it's and i don't want to get an infection from somebody's poo or something like that you know get a cut on my hand get an infection and the next thing you know you know i'm septic or something like that anyway these are things i probably should have worried about before but now i'm like hypersensitive about it i don't know anyway it doesn't matter but i'm just trying to trying to live in that for a little bit and kind of see where that's taking me and where i'm going to go from there but i can tell you guys right now right now and I'm not, I'm not joking at all. I'm going to continue this podcast for as long as I can. Um, this is not going to stop unless I can't talk anymore. You know what I mean? I might miss a week, you know, especially if we start doing, uh, when we start doing, uh, chemo radiation, we don't know which one it is yet. Um, I might be sick as a dog for a week or so. So don't, don't lose faith. I'm here. I'm here. Um, and we're going to tell, we got some cool, cool shit coming up, bro. Um, the next, next week's, uh, podcast is freaking awesome. Um, I've got a bunch of really cool guys in the works that I'm working on that I need to record. Um, and then these personal ones, these are the ones that I personally like. Um, I know this one wasn't about whiskey at all and, uh, that's okay because, um, it needs to be said and I need to say my truth is that what they say um but i really i'm really thankful obviously just to be alive at this point and um i'm i hope you guys understand that and uh i'm doing this guy this podcast just to let everybody know kind of where i'm at and where it's going to go from the future or whatever from here on um all right so last night here's here's the whiskey part of it ready so during all this obviously when you're sick as a dog and on medication and stuff like that you don't need to be drinking whiskey i'm sorry you don't don't do it the doc said you know one day after surgery that's what the doctor said but i was like i didn't even feel like it and i know i know that's blasphemy but i didn't even feel like a whiskey because i was like man i can't so you know um thursday of this week would have been two weeks from my original surgery Right, so two weeks healed from my original cert. I know it happened so fast, bro. It happened so fast. Anyway, so last night I found it only fitting. I uh, opened up a bottle of Cole Keegan, which is Santa Fe Spirits. Right, I was supposed to be in Santa Fe yesterday or driving home from, and um, I opened up a bottle of their Cast Strength uh, Cole Keegan, and um, I found it only fitting. I had to two drinks of that and it was amazing it was a good super good whiskey i'm gonna do a deep dive on it hopefully sunday and uh yeah i mean 
It's just not, it's nice to be back, back with it. Now, here's the thing. I need to walk. Not, okay. I, as you probably already know, I've watched my whiskey intake to begin with because, you know, if you have family issues with alcohol, you need to watch yourself. And I've always strived to be the guy who doesn't overdo it. But I have a couple drinks. I'm not going to lie. I have a couple drinks a week or whatever. I'm not, I'm not denouncing that. Um, but I'm going to have to watch it a little bit more. Um, because, you know, being on treatments and stuff like that, I don't know if I'm going to be able to drink as much or whatever like that. But to me, it was such like a, for one, getting back to normality, you know, it's Friday night, we're watching, we're watching a show, I'm having a drink. It's, it's nice. It's nice. And my wife was for it. She wasn't against it. She was like, babe, you need one just to not to knock the edge off because I hate it when people say I need a whiskey to knock the edge off no it's not for that like I enjoy the whiskey and luckily and this is this is not medical advice luckily whiskey is a blood thinner yeah it is so it actually helps with the blood thinning process also um I was talking to some people well, from the last American podcast, I was talking to them and they were like, well, yeah, so it's all you got to do is drink like three bottles of whiskey and it'll cure your, your blood clot. And I said, yeah, it'll cure my blood clot and then I'll get liver disease. Great. Let's do that. So, no, and I, I really appreciate all the support and all the help and all the prayers of the people who already knew about all this. Um, I really appreciate all that because like, it means a lot. The prayers, especially I can feel them when I was in the dark spot, I could feel them. So, um, I appreciate it. Keep them coming. Cause we're, we're still not done. <laughs> we got a little bit, we got a little bit to go still. And I'm hoping to make a 100% recovery. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, it's in the Lord's hands at, at this point. Um, and always has been <laughs> obviously, uh, it's not by my doing, um, for any of this anyway. Okay. I say all that to say this, um, whiskey is happening around you. Um, but whiskey isn't the only thing. Okay. Um, have fun with it. Stay safe. And one of the big things, and I know this sounds stupid, check your nuts. I'm being dead serious. Don't be playing with yourself. There's a difference between playing with yourself and checking your nuts, but check them, dude, because here's the deal. Mine came up out of nowhere. I don't check them. I'm not gonna lie. I don't check them. I wash them in the shower. I know this is getting graphic and I'm sorry, but this is real life. Check your nuts, bro. And for the females out there that are listening, check yourself too. Because you never know. So um, I'm going to try to reach out to the Testicular Cancer uh, Foundation. And we're going to try and do something in the near future. There's uh, Manscaped. I don't know if you know who Manscaped is, but they're sponsored. Um, They're sponsored by them. Oh, speaking of that, hold on. Before we go, I forgot. I almost forgot this. I was too busy talking about myself. Um, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this podcast. Yeah. Bad Motivator Barrels. BadMotivatorBarrels.com. You go to Bad Motivator and you find you a barrel. I, I'm doing, uh, from the time this... 
<coughs> from the time this airs, it'll be over by now. But I did a, I just did a giveaway of a free Badmo barrel. Um, it will end at five o'clock today. So if you want to get in there, you can still get in there. It's on my Instagram, my Facebook, and my uh, YouTube. You go in there, you comment, like, subscribe, um, all that stuff, and then you click the link. There's a link below to get on the mailing list for uh, Bad Motor Air Barrel. But that ends at five p.m. Central Standard Time today. So there's not much time. Anyway, I'm giving away a barrel. It's a previously used bourbon barrel. Um, you'll know the name of the, the, the distillery it was from on the front of it. It's one of the only ones that has the actual name of the distillery on the front of it. I'm giving away one of those today. Anyway, um, you, you by now you guys know Badmo. You know I love them. Uh, Christopher's taking over um, with the legacy part of it. Uh, they've got a bunch of barrels ready to ship. Um, they've doubled down on production and they're ready to ship. Um, so if you have ever thought about having a barrel, um, doing something with it, adding, uh, getting some crappy whiskey, putting it in there and seeing if you can make it better, um, any, anything, going to a distillery, grabbing some of their new make, throwing it in there, making your own whiskey, whatever. If you're a hobbyist, if you're <laughs> whatever, if you like to make wine, beer, cider, putting it in there and oak aging it, it's, I mean, come on guys. You guys know by now. If you don't, uh, well, if you don't know, now you know. Anyway, uh, so go to badmotivatorbarrels.com and use the coupon code SHAMAN5. I'll give you 5% off that barrel. Go do it right now. Um, I see you guys have been uh, clicking and going and doing, and I appreciate that so much. So, again, go to badmotivatorbarrels.com and at the checkout, put SHAMAN5, and it'll give you 5% off that barrel. All right, and I love I love Badmo and thank them for uh, supporting me. Anyway, especially during this time. Um, so, where do we where do we go from here? We're gonna continue making killer content. I know this might have been the, not not have been the killer content that you want, um, but it's the killer content that I needed to put out today. Um, I think everybody needs to know about this. I think this is a thing that happens in the world that people don't talk about. Uh, testicular cancer is 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 a, a thing and one other thing that uh, kind of pissed me off with this whole situation testicular cancer in itself is known to create blood clots yeah so and this is no shame no throwing shade to anybody the urologist to anybody um, but I feel like they should have known that there could have potentially been a blood clot from the testicular cancer and they should have done some sort of screening for that before they even did the surgery. And that didn't happen. Could this have, could this have been prevented? Probably. Probably. Um, but if, let's say, they, they did the screening and they found blood clots, they would want to put me on blood thinners. Well, you can't have surgery when you're on blood thinners, right? So then they would have to dissolve the blood clots and then go in and do the surgery. That could be six months or a year later. How far would the cancer have spread in a year? Right? So it's almost like it happened the way it was supposed to happen. But normally it doesn't happen to where you almost die. Right? So normally that doesn't happen. So anyway, um, just get checked out. And if you're feeling, you know, feeling like it, get go get go get checked out and do preventative maintenance as well um all right 
guys, the the next episode is going to be amazing. Uh, this one, you know, was what it was, and I'm sorry to have some graphic content in it or whatever, but you know, these are the things that we need to talk about sometimes. And there's there might be more in the future. I'm sorry, but um, this is also a, a journey of my life, and um, I feel like it's things that people need to know. And um, that's kind of why I've been out on the socials and stuff like that because I physically could not could not get on there. So. Anyway, but I'm back and I'm trying and we're working on it and I'm getting stronger every day and I love y'all so much and y'all are y'all are the ones keeping me keeping me going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in conclusion, check your nuts. That's it. Check your nuts. Don't don't let um don't let the cancer get involved. And those of you who've had cancer, please reach out to me. Let's talk about it. I feel like having a, a brother, a brother group of people who have had this, uh, not not just testicular. If you've had any sort of cancers, I know my my buddy Gary B. Uh, he's a psalm out of Canada. We don't hold him against him. You know he's going through some cancer. My buddy Patrick Cone going through some cancer. Dude, sucks. But we gotta stick together. So, all right, this is where I'm gonna leave it. And uh, I promise next time we're talking about whiskey stuff. Uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, if y'all want to uh, know anything, if y'all want to know about new bottles coming out or anything like that, just hit me up and let me know and uh, we'll go from there. I'm trying to get, um, you know, trying to get new and different content out there for y'all. So just please hit me up and let me know if you need to, if you want to learn about anything. I'm going to have a malt grower um, on real soon and we're going to talk about the process of making malt and malting grain and stuff like that so I think that'll be really cool um, but yeah um, I just appreciate all the support and all the love and again I thank Bad Mo for sponsoring and uh, I'm looking at another sponsor which is kind of a different different type of sponsor so um, we're growing and showing and uh, I, it's, it's only because of y'all so I appreciate everything um, but uh, I guess that's where we'll leave it um, I don't think I have anything else. Um, and once I go to the oncologist and get all my, my uh, treatment regimen, I'll let y'all know as soon as possible for the ones who care for the ones who don't just skip past it. It's fine. <laughs> um, but until next time, y'all keep your spirits up. Love y'all.